And now we take you to Evangel Church in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Take your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 9, Luke the ninth chapter, and I want to talk to you about the miracle of multiplication. If you've not done it, I encourage you to pick up a copy of Robert Morris's book, The Blessed Life. There's actually a new edition out. It's published by Regal Publishers. I encourage you to pick up a copy of that book. Uh, let me just ask you a question. Everybody look at me. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever wished that you could multiply your money? How many have ever said, boy, I wish I could just take this this $10 and multiply it and get 100 out of it. Sure we have. A lot of us have. Well, you know, on one occasion, Jesus took a little boy's lunch. He took five loaves and two fish, and he multiplied it, and he fed over 5,000 men plus women and children. We read about that in Luke chapter 9. Uh, I'll begin reading at verse 12. This is from the New King James Version. It says, when the day began to wear away, the twelve came and said to him, send the multitude away that they may go into the surrounding towns and country and lodge and get provisions. For we are in a desert, a deserted place here. But he said to them, you give them something to eat. I want you to repeat those words with me. You give them something to eat. Let's try it one more time. You give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go and buy food for all these people. For there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so and made them all sit down. And then he took the five loaves and the two fish and he looked up to heaven and he blessed and broke them and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they all ate and were filled. And 12 baskets of the leftover fragments were taken up by them. Let's personalize this story this morning. I want you to, for a minute, I want you to see yourself as one of the 12 disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. You've left everything to follow the Lord. You're, you're still trying to figure out, is he really the Messiah? I mean, he's doing some Messiah-like things. He's turning water into wine. He's healing the sick and he's cleansing lepers and he's casting out devils and he's even raising people from the dead. And you're, you're saying this has got to be the Messiah. And you've left everything. You've left your boat. You've left your fishing business. You've left your business partners. You've left everything. And you've joined Jesus on this nationwide speaking tour. And one day Jesus is going to have service and the word gets out. And it's not just a few hundred people, it's several thousand people. In fact, it's the largest crowd that's ever come to hear Jesus. And you and the other disciples are doing a head count and you say, you know, there's got to be, there must be 5,000 men plus women and children here. And you're amazed that Jesus' voice booms out over the hills and everybody can hear him. And, you know... You're enjoying it. Jesus is really especially anointed that day. And man, the crowd's enjoying the ministry. And so it, it goes. Jesus starts about 9 o'clock that morning. And he teaches till 10 and then 11 and then 12. And how many of you know church is supposed to be out at 12 noon? You got to be the Sadducees to the restaurant, right? Well, it's 12 o'clock. But Jesus isn't mindful of the time. He just keeps on preaching. And so now it's not just 12. It's 1 o'clock. And 
two o'clock and three o'clock and now your stomach's starting to rumble and and you're looking at the other disciples and they're looking at you but boy Jesus is just continues to to teach that day and the people are really enjoying it and it's four and five o'clock and then Simon Peter waves his hand and all the disciples gather up and you go over to them and they said listen somebody's got to go tell him that he's got to stop church the pizza huts in Judea closed at 6 p.m. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Chicken is already closed. Go tell him to stop. Church has gone too long. You're elected, and they point to you. And so you timidly walk up to Jesus, Master. Master, I don't mean to interrupt you. Please forgive me. I know everybody, and you look at all these people looking at you. Oh, I know everybody here is enjoying your ministry, but, but Master, it's getting late, and and, and we, we're just thinking the people need to eat something. And all the while, your own stomach is just rumbling, you know. And the people need to eat something. Why don't you think about, why don't you think about stopping church and go ahead and let them go? And Jesus looks at you and he smiles real big. And he says, you give them something to eat. And you say, Me? You look around. Is he talking to somebody else? Me? Lord, all these people? Me? And you turn around and walk back over to the disciples and James and John and Peter quickly ask you, so well, what did he say? What did he say? Is he going to stop preaching? Is he going to turn church out? But by this time, Jesus has gone right back to teaching and preaching and the people are loving it and it's going good. And he says, well, that's not exactly his intention. He, 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 he did say something. What did he say? He said that we're to give them something to eat. And now it's Peter, James, and John and the other guy saying, us? And after they get over the shock of that, they, they say, okay, guys, here's what we'll do. Three of you go over there in that far right-hand sector, and, and, and three more of you go over there to that far left-hand sector, and three of you go to the back, and three of us will work this area. Let's just scavenge around and there's got to be some food with this many people here. Let's see what kind of food we can come up with. And so we'll, we'll rendezvous back here. Take us an hour. And an hour later, so now it's 6 p.m., they, they rendezvous back and the disciples have got long looks on their faces and they're saying, nobody here's got any food except Andrew. Andrew raises his hand. You know, he was Peter's brother. Andrew raises his hand. He says, hey, I've got this little boy here. See any handsome little boy? He's got a happy meal. And Peter says, what do you mean he's got a happy meal? And he takes that Captain D seafood bag and he pulls out two fish sticks and five hush puppies and a coloring book and some crayons. He says, this isn't going to work, guys. And they point at you and say, you go back and you tell Jesus what we've got. In fact, you take this little boy up to him and you show him what we got here. And surely he'll go ahead and pray and end this service. And so you take the little boy by the hand and you say, pardon me, master. Master, I, you're preaching so good. It's so good today. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but... but but Master, these people are hungry and 
You told us to give them something to eat and we don't have anything and the people don't have anything and all we can find is this one little boy and he's got this Captain D's seafood bag. Isn't it a nice bag, Jesus? It's, it's really nice. And look inside it, Jesus. There's two fish sticks and there's five hush puppies and there's a coloring book and there's some, some crayons and there's a, there's a napkin and, and, and Jesus, this little boy is willing to share his food with you today. Isn't that wonderful, Jesus? Just pat him on the head and send us all away and Jesus looks at you and he says I want you and the disciples to make the people sit down in groups of 50 have you ever tried to make 5,000 men plus women and children sit down in groups of 50 I mean several hundred people here today if I asked you all to sit down in groups of 50 it'd take a while for us to get organized I don't know how long it took them but they finally got everybody sitting down in groups of 50 and Jesus took that little boy's lunch and he held it up to heaven. And the Bible says that Jesus began to bless that lunch. And you're thinking in your head, how's this going to work out? How's this going to work out? Dear ones, let me share with you three takeaways. You may want to write these down. Three takeaways that'll help you. Look at this first takeaway. All of us have got the tendency to want to figure out in advance how God is going to provide for our needs. All of us, we try to figure it out. Sometimes we even tell God how he can do it. But I find that I'm usually wrong. You know, in 1978, Kathy and I had been serving at a church in St. Augustine and I decided to go back to graduate school in Virginia and we moved up to Virginia. Kathy was a school teacher. She certified K through third grade and she was teaching in St. Augustine and we were just sure she could get a job in Virginia Beach or Chesapeake or Portsmouth or, or Norfolk, someplace up there in that Hampton Roads area. She could get a teaching position. We moved up there by faith. I told you before how we, we couldn't find any place to live. And we lived in that broken down motel for a couple of weeks where the water wouldn't even, there's a big crack in the swimming pool, wouldn't keep the water in it. We lived there. And finally, our realtor, because we, we, we started looking at property by then, our realtor said, you listen, uh, we've got a new youth pastor at our Presbyterian church and they've rented a big house. Maybe they'll let you live with them. And that's what we did. We lived with a Presbyterian pastor and his wife for about three months while we were continuing to look for housing. Now, dear ones, God bless the Presbyterians, but I'm not Presbyterian. I'm Pentecostal. We had some interesting discussions around that dinner table. I'm telling you. But they were gracious. They opened their homes to us. I think I've told you before that they had, uh, they didn't have a, a, another twin or, or double bed for Kathy and I to sleep on. So we took two twin beds and we pushed them together. And we were upstairs and they had a 10 month old newborn son who every morning about two o'clock in the morning, two to three o'clock in the morning, he would wake up. Well, I'd be sleeping so hard, so nice in those twin beds. But the problem is I'd be in the crack, you know, between the two beds and that baby would wake up and I would start shaking and startling. Before I knew it, I'd always fall between the, between the two beds, you know. Every morning about three o'clock. All Kathy could do was find a job working in daycare at minimum wage. 
And I got me a little part-time job, but I was, we were there by faith. We were living by faith, believing and trusting God. We didn't know how it was going to work out. And it didn't happen all at once. But do you know the day came? And let me just back up and say this. I remember we were, we were down. We, we had a couple hundred dollars. That's all we had. And we said, God, we're just trusting you. We're believing you. And I remember we were challenged in our own hearts to give $100 to the Lord. Now, we'd already tithed. We'd already done that. But we were challenged to give it to him. See, Jesus took that which the little boy gave him and he blessed it. It's only what you and I give to the Lord that can be blessed. Don't, don't, don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good. But, but I, I want you to get this picture. We gave this offering to the Lord. And did you know by the end of the week I'd gotten a call asking me if I'd like to be the pastor of a group of about 20 people who had all been members of First Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, but they'd gotten kicked out of First Baptist Church, got the left foot of fellowship because they embraced this thing called the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave you utterance. And I began pastoring that little group of 20 people. We were, one of them owned a hotel right on the Atlantic Ocean and we met in the penthouse. It was beautiful. But when the weather got really good, I'd lose my congregation because they're outside. They're watching the surfers or if the dolphins came out, they'd watch the dolphins. Do you know that that little group of 50, of 20 people, they said, we know this isn't much. But we'd like to offer you, we'll pay you $500 a week if you'll preach on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights. You don't have any pastoral responsibilities. You don't have to cast vision or anything like that. All you got to do is show up and, and preach because we like the way you preach. And if, if you'll preach, we'll pay you $500 a week. Well, you figure that up. That's $25,000 a year. In 1978, that would go a whole lot further than it'll go today. And I remain the pastor of that little, that little church. And we didn't stay little. We began to grow. And we had to move out of that, that penthouse. That's a whole other story for another time. Dear ones, here's the point. All of us have the tendency. We want to figure out in advance how God's going to provide for our needs. But usually we're wrong. So Jesus takes those, those, those five hush puppies and he takes those two fish sticks and he blesses them. And then he begins to break it in little tiny pieces and he gives a little tiny piece to each of the 12 disciples. Okay, so now you've taken Jesus Two fish sticks, five hush puppies, and Jesus gives back to you just a, a sliver of a piece of fish, and he gives you just a, a half of a hush puppy, and you're looking at that. In fact, I imagine Peter got was given his, and he says, Lord, don't you want to pray some more? This doesn't look like it's very big. And he says, take it and distribute it among the people, and you're thinking, my word, what is he asking us to do? And you walk over to that first group of 50, and I can just hear Peter saying, take a little bit, not much. <laughs> and so people take just a crumb of fish and just a crumb of hush puppy. And Peter goes down the, 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 the aisle giving the stuff out. You do the same thing. But, 
the amazing thing is you look in your hand and you still have as much fish and as much hush puppy as you started with and you look over at the people that you gave it to and they've got whole handfuls of fish and they've got whole handfuls of hush puppies and, and it's absolutely incredible. It's uh, amazing. Here's our second takeaway, guys. We often miss this. The miracle did not take place in Jesus' hands. It happened in the hands of the disciples. I want you to get this down in your heart. The miracle did not take place in Jesus' hands. It happened in the hands of the disciples. You know, one night Peter had fished all night long. And the next morning, Jesus said, Peter, let your boat out into the, to the deep and, and let down the nets for a big catch of fish. And Peter tried to reason with Jesus. He says, Lord, I fished all night long. They're just not biting. There are no fish out there. But then he says, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down my nets, just like you say. And you remember the story? Peter let down his nets. And the Bible says that a boat sinking Net-breaking load of fish got into those nets. Peter couldn't even pull it all in. His fellow fishermen had to help him pull it all in. Dear ones, whose hands did that miracle take place in? Was it Jesus' hands? Come on. Whose hands did that miracle take place in? It happened in Peter's hands as Peter was obedient to God. I'm just going to suggest to you that the eyes of the Lord roam to and fro over the face of the whole earth, looking for those whose hearts are upright before them. God is looking for somebody that he wants to do signs and wonders through. God is looking for somebody he wants to use your hands to lay hands on the sick and see them recover. He wants to use your hands to set people free. He wants to use your hands to help people get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He wants to use you to work social justice in the lives of people. He wants to use you to help the poor. He wants to use you. I want you to get this. Look at the point. The miracle didn't take place in Jesus' hands. It happened in the hands of the disciples. You say, well, who in the world am I? I'll tell you who you are. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're forgiven of your sins, you're the righteousness of God in Christ. You're a son. You're a daughter of the Most High God. He has created you. He's given you a merry heart if you'll accept it. And that merry heart will do you good like a medicine. And that merry heart will help other people because there are other people that need to receive what you got. And who's got you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, this afternoon we're going to celebrate the life of Brother Noel Hurst. Remember in 1968 when the Hurst family moved from Virginia to Tallahassee. And one of the reasons they came here is because... The pastor, and our name back then was Lake Jackson Assembly of God. The pastor was, was, was Pastor Wiley T. Davis. And he had been their pastor at a previous location. And they said, you know, Noel was getting out of the Air Force. They could have moved a lot of different places. But they said, we want to go and be a part of Pastor Wiley T. Davis's congregation. That's the reason they came. And they had a lot of ministries a lot of ministries, but one of them is they had the ministry of hospitality. 
You know, you have the first Corinthians 12 gifts of the Holy Spirit to one is given the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge and discernment of spirits and the gift of faith and the working of miracles and the gifts of healings and tongues and interpretation of tongues. But then you have other gifts of the Spirit mentioned in Romans chapter 12 and one of those gifts of the Spirit is the gift of hospitality, loving on other people. And so for years, brother and sister Hurst, if they saw somebody that was new at Evangel, if they saw a face they did not recognize, they didn't assume, well, maybe that person's been around here and I just don't know them. You know, I, 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 Brother Gill cracked me up this week. He was telling me, Brother Gill just waved everybody. He's right back here. Just waved everybody. He says, you know, Pastor, he says, I pretty much keep my tabs on the north side of the church. He says, I know who's on the, the north side. He says, I don't know about these south siders. He says, but I know about these north siders. Well, dear ones, we, we need to keep, keep up with the north siders, the south siders, the east siders, the west siders, all the siders. Amen? Brother, Brother Noel and Sister Lou would invite people out to eat, invite them. For, how many of you, let me just say a show of hands, how many of you were invited out to, to either their home or to a restaurant by those guys? Let me just see your hands. Look at this. Look at this all over this place. My son-in-law, Dr. Paul Hill, when he came here to do his graduate work 10 years ago, Paul told me that the very first person he met in our church Paul says he came in, didn't know a soul, had just moved here from, from uh, Port of Spain, Trinidad. He was sitting right back here. And he says, it was Noel Hurst made a beeline for him and invited him to lunch the very first day. Brother Noel is now walking down streets of gold and looking at the walls of Jasper. And Sister Lou's health is not what it used to be. But dear ones, we need some more people to say, I'll take that as my ministry. God, you can use my hands and Lord, you can use my mouth and you can use who I am. And Lord, I may not be perfect and I may not know everything and I may not have all the answers, but I can be loved with skin on and I can invite people out to, to lunch, even if it's to go to Golden Arches. I can, I can, maybe you can invite people over to your home sometime. Maybe, you see, we need folks America has become a nation of strangers, particularly millennials, because they don't know how to put their phone down. The average person in America checks their phone 80 something times a day. There was nobody is that important but Jesus. I mean, don't, don't you, you ever walk through the Governor's Square Mall, go to the food court? Sometimes I'll walk by there and I'll look and I'll see these college-age students sitting by themselves, having their meal, but they're on their phone. I don't know if they're really talking to somebody. I don't know if they're really texting with a real person or if they're just acting like they got friends and they don't want to admit that. I just think there's, I think loneliness is at epidemic proportions today in America. And we need this gift of hospitality. God can use your hands next Sunday morning. Next Sunday morning, or next Sunday morning we'll have church. Next Sunday afternoon we'll have our fall fest. Oh, this is a Halloween equivalent or alternative. We'll have all bouncy houses and all kinds of things outside. We'll have about 1,000 to 1,200 people from the, from the neighborhood will come. We'll set up a prayer tent. There'll be ministry going on. People will have an opportunity to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. People can receive prayer for healing and wholeness. And if it's anything like in years past, it's going to be wonderful. 
But we still could use some more people to work, couldn't we, Pastor Zach? Pastor Zach, stand to your feet. Turn around and look at everybody. If you would like to serve, now I know you got 35 people or so, but we could use 50 people at least. If you'd like to serve next week, see Pastor Zach. In fact, you got a meeting, don't you? Yeah. Right after service today? Back in Kidventure. You guys vacuum when you finish back there, okay? So we can <laughs> use it later. But here. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Folks, there are lots of opportunities. You say, I'm busy. I know time is the new. Time's almost more valuable than money sometimes. But Jesus said, our hearts follow our treasure. Where your treasure is, is where your heart will be. Amen? Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18 says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Let me share with you a third takeaway this morning. Not only does God want to perform miracles through your hands, but something's got to be blessed before it can supernaturally multiply. See, the little boy's Happy Meal didn't just multiply by itself. It only multiplied after it had been blessed. I don't know about you, but I need God's blessing in my life. <laughs> that means that we want to give ourselves to God wholeheartedly without holding back. We need God's blessings on our resources. We need God's blessings on our money. But first, it's got to be given to Him. First, we've got to acknowledge and say, God, I'm just a steward. I don't really own anything. Everything I have belongs to you. If you think it belongs to you, let me ask you this. How much are you going to take with you when you die? You're not going to take a thing because it really, you know, your name may be on the deed. Your name may be on the title. But one day somebody else's name is going to be on that deed. One day somebody else's name is going to be on that title because we didn't bring anything with us and we can't take anything with us when we go. But we're stewards and we need God's blessings on our resources while we're here on this earth. It's giving. There was, let me tell you something. In tithing. When you bring the 10% to God, the 10% redeems the 90%. You say, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Does that mean that when you give the 10%, God's going to plant a, a money tree in your backyard? No, 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 that's not what I'm teaching. But he will redeem what you got. I'll tell you what Kathy and I have seen God do. We've owned washers and dryers. How many of you know there's some nice digital washers and dryers that are now available on the market. I mean, good looking stuff. But Kathy and I have bought washers and dryers that lived way beyond what their lifespan should have been. But God just kept them on chugging. <laughs> because the 10% redeems the 90%. Oh, we've had cars. Now I'm not saying you don't need to change the oil in your car. I'm not saying you don't need to service your car. You've got to. Do. In fact, I used to pastor a man in Virginia who owned a Chrysler dealership. He was one of those Baptists who got filled with the Holy Ghost. He owned a Chrysler dealership and he told me that a man came to him one day and bought the most expensive car on his lot. 
Didn't hear from the man for a year and a half. And he says, one day the man called and he was really mad and angry. He said, I was driving this car I paid a lot for from you. I was driving it down the interstate and it just cucked out. I don't know what's wrong. Send me a tow truck. Jim is my friend's name. Jim says, I sent a tow truck. That fellow had driven that car for 18 months without changing the oil, without servicing the car, and the whole engine seized up. Well, God, I believe in miracles, but I also believe in common sense. Come on. You got to take care. You got to service what you got. I told you a couple of weeks ago, you know, I drive Kathy's hand-me-downs. <laughs> and she thinks it's funny, obviously. You get to drive the nice cars. That's okay. My car is 10 years old. It's got 158,672 miles on it as of this morning. Now I have to service it, but I'm going to tell you, it just keeps on going and keeps on going. I told you I'm saving my money. One day I'm going to buy me a pickup truck. But you know what? Until then, I'm just as happy as I can be. You know, it's a Japanese car. They had a tsunami over in Japan a couple of years ago. And so they didn't change the, the model, uh, models for a long time. So it looks like I'm driving a much newer car. Hallelujah. What I'm saying to you is that the 10% redeems the 90%. Something's got to be blessed before it can supernaturally multiply. Now, Hebrews 7, verse 8. It says, here mortal men receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Now, now I want you to, to, to meditate on that for a second. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there, where is there? He's talking about heaven. In heaven, Jesus receives the tithes. The tithes that you give on this earth are received. See, you, see you, your, your, your mind will say, well, I'm going to. I'm going to bring this tithe, I'm going to bring this offering, and I'm going to put it in the offering bucket. I want you to know, it is not seed that dies in the offering bucket, but this church is good soil. And it will bring forth a harvest, but what you got to understand is that you're, not, you're just not bringing a gift to the church, there's a God in heaven who's watching what you're doing. You'll remember when God sent Peter over to Cornelius, God had told Cornelius, this Roman centurion, he says, Cornelius, your prayers and your giving have come up before God as a memorial. God finds out about it when you give. Yes. Getting quiet in this, this place. Your prayers and your giving have come up as a memorial. I tell you what, I want, I want to come before God. I, I, I want Him to be thinking about me. Hebrews 7, 8. Here mortal men receive tithes, but there He receives. There's a God that sees when we worship with our tithes and our offerings. And the Bible says he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Hallelujah. The bread and fish had to be blessed before it could multiply. 
Guys, what if, I mean, you've read enough about Peter. You know he had pretty strong opinions. James and John were called the sons of thunder. They could get so angry at people. They had definite opinions. They, they really wanted to climb the ladder and be Jesus' number one and number two man when he came into his kingdom. Their mama asked for that favor. What if when Jesus had blessed those two fish sticks and those five hush puppies and broken them in little tiny pieces and put them in their hands, what if they had said, well, we're just as hungry as everybody else around here and we've been working today doing crowd control and doing security and I'm just going to eat this myself. If they just popped it all in their mouth, it would have all been gone. The 5,000 men plus women and children would never been fed. They would never have taken up 12 basketfuls of fragments. They start with a little boy's happy meal and they end with 12 basketfuls of fragments. Let me ask you a question. What happened to those 12 basketful of fragments? Where do you think it went? I think at least one of them went home with the little boy. And I think they used the other. They helped the poor. And they ministered to people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I, I just want to, let me say this. I'm not so sure that tithing is even Hours to tithe. The Bible says the tithe belongs to the Lord. Leviticus, let's look at this. Leviticus 27 30 says, And all the tithe is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. Remember Jesus in Matthew 25 told a story? He said there was these three stewards, and one of them was given five bags of silver by his master, and one was given two bags, and one of them was given one bag according to their abilities. The master went off on a trip and he came back and he says, okay, let's have a day of accounting. And the one who had the five bags of silver, he came back and says, well, master, here's your five bags and here's five bags more. And the master said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy salvation. I just want to suggest to you that Brother Noel Hurst has already heard, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. One day I want to hear that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of thy salvation. The guy that had the two bags of silver, he made two more. And so he presented the first two and then he presented a second set of bags of silver. And again, he hears, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But there was one servant, one servant who took the master's bag of silver and he went out in his backyard and dug a hole and put it there. He says, I knew you're a hard man. And the master called him a wicked, a wicked and lazy servant. Hallelujah. Malachi chapter 3 verse 8 says, Well, a man robbed God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, In what way have we robbed you? In tithes and in offerings. Dear ones, don't never forget the principle that the 10% redeems the 90%. And the 10% rebukes the devourer. The 10% takes the curse. He had told the people in Malachi, he says, he says, you're cursed with a curse. The 10% removes the curse. I don't want my money to be cursed. And I'm just convinced that God wants to multiply. He wants to do what he did in Mark chapter 9 excuse me, Luke chapter 9, he wants to do that.
for you today, but you got to bring something to him. All this little boy had was this Happy Meal. And I bet Jesus gave the coloring book and the crayons back to him. He also got the 12 basketfuls. Amen? Hallelujah. Norm, why don't you just come to the keyboard and let me just, let me just talk to you for a minute. Because as we've been on this series talking about the blessed life and how God views our money, everybody look at me. Everybody listen to me. There's some of you, I know this because you've told me, you said, Pastor, well, you, you shared those steps about having goals of getting out of debt and paying off credit cards and all that stuff. But Pastor, I'll just tell you, I don't make enough to even think about that. It seems like the harder I work, the more behind I get. I've had other people say, well, Pastor, I, not only do I not make much money, but I'm in a job that I hate. I just hate my job. Everybody look at me. Listen to me. If you are in a job that you hate, then what you need to do is go to a career resource center. They've got one at Florida State, at TCC, at FAMU, probably at other schools. Go to a career resource center. And talk to somebody who can help you to get a grasp of the things that you're made to do, the things that'll, that'll, that, 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 that fill your boat, that, 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 that make life fun. And then pray about it. Say, God, would you help me to get into a vocation, something that I love? And if you don't have time to go to a career resource center, go to Amazon and buy a book called What Color Is My Parachute? You know about that book. It's been around for a long time. Man, I used to use that at Regent University to help students figure out their career trajectory. You can probably buy a used copy just for, you know, probably a dollar or two at Amazon. You say, well, Pastor, I'm just in a, I'm between a rock and a hard place. I just don't seem to make enough to, to be able to begin to dream about paying my credit cards off. And I want you to hear me. The average American during their lifetime will work in the job place an average of 100,000 hours. Everybody say 100,000. You say, I've just paid an hourly wage. Well, why don't you start believing God for a dollar an hour increase? That's only $100,000 over your lifetime. Come on. Why don't you start believing God for a $2 increase? Or $3 an hour increase. That would give you 300000 additional dollars in your lifetime. So many times, it's not that God's not willing and more than able to work. It's sometimes we don't have enough vision. I'm going to tell you, God's made you for good things. God didn't make you just to, 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 to live your life and sit in front of a television like a bump on a log and just endure and just barely get by. God made you to reign in this life through an abundance of grace and through the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And you know, money's not the answer to every problem. In fact, a lot of people that have money, they spend most of their time trying to figure out how can I, how can I not lose what I got? How can I invest this? How can I Avoid paying taxes with it. How can I? I mean, it, it becomes a burden sometimes. 
We didn't bring anything with us into this world. We're not going to take anything out. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. And we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.